Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast. I am Steve Cullum, your host, and welcome to episode 18 of the Student Ministry Podcast. We're here with another interview today with another awesome youth worker. Today is Frank Gill. Frank is the Student Ministries Pastor of Epicos Church, and we are so grateful to have him on today, and I know it's going to be a great conversation with him and uh, we're going to dive into that in just a bit. But before with that, we do want to thank our sponsors because our sponsors are awesome. And we want to make sure that we do thank them for their generous donations. So first up is Work Camp N-E. That's W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com for their website. Make sure you check it out. They're in full force right now at this moment with their summer uh, service projects. And if you're interested in, in taking your students on a summer service project based mission trip in the United States, make sure you check out their website. Our students have been doing it for 10 years and they love it. We're actually going to be going uh, on the trip with Work Camp in just a couple weeks with our high school students and we are really looking forward to it. We're going to be going, heading off to uh, Springfield, Vermont and uh, it's going to be an excellent trip. It always is. So make sure you check them out. And also another combined sponsorship of the National Network of Youth Ministries and Reach Youth New England. The National Network's website is youthworkers.net and Reach Youth New England is uh, reachyouthne.com. Both of those websites are excellent ways to connect with other youth workers. So maybe you're you're doing youth ministry and you're you're loving it, but maybe you realized hey, you're kind of lonely and you're kind of doing it on your own. We need to connect with other youth ministers, other youth workers in our area, and both of these websites are great places to go to connect with other youth workers in our area. So make sure you check them out. And we are so grateful for WorkCamp NE the National Network of Youth Ministries, and Reach Youth New England for sponsoring today's podcast. Now, before we get into the rest of the podcast with this great interview, I do want to remind you, if you like what you hear, make sure you leave a positive review and make sure you also share it with someone else that you also think might enjoy this. So please do that. That's how we get the word out about these awesome conversations. So today, if Frank shares some awesome information, because I know he's going to, and he shares some bits of wisdom that is just so great, and you're like, someone else needs to hear this, and I need to share it with another youth youth pastor, go ahead and do that. Please do that. And like I said, leave a positive review on uh, iTunes or any other podcatcher out there, that'd be awesome. Helps us just to, to raise up in, in the, the, the scene, I guess, of podcasting and let other people uh, find this podcast and hear these amazing stories. All right, with all that being said, let's jump into that amazing conversation that I had with Frank Gill. All right, so thanks so much for joining us today, Frank. Hey, glad to be here. So, uh, for those of you that the listeners that have never heard of Frank Gill, which is which is crazy because you should hear Frank Gill, but uh, <laughs> fill in fill in our listeners on who is Frank and what's God been doing in your life to to bring you to the point you are today, Frank. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, so I'm a, a first generation American. My uh, parents are both Cuban, and they made they came to America in the '70s from Cuba and. Uh, and yeah, uh, my dad was a professional salsa dancer, and my mom was at a nightclub, and she saw my dad and was like, "I want that." that <laughs> and then, uh, awesome. Yeah, exactly. And they uh, they got married, and then I was born, and I was born in Tampa, Florida, um, and I don't salsa, and I barely speak Spanish, so I don't know <laughs> how come that didn't pass down to me, but uh, but the Lord had other plans. But yeah, I um, 
I grew up in a nominally Catholic home. Uh, we went to church on days that mattered, like Easter and Christmas and mm-hmm. baptisms and stuff. And and uh, and like uh, around middle school, uh, a friend of mine invited me to youth group, and I heard the heaviest sermon in the world about hell and about mm-hmm. how like about like you're going to go to hell because you don't make your room. You're going to go to hell because you disobey your parents. You're going to get hell because you failed the test. And I was like, wow, dude, I don't want to go to hell. Like what's the opposite <laughs> of hell? And I'll do whatever it takes. And then the guy was like, pray this prayer. And I'm like, I'll pray it five times. In my <laughs> Cause I don't want to go to that place. And, uh, and, uh, obviously like, I don't, I don't ever really say now that that's when I came to know the Lord, but that was what I would believe is when the Lord started drawing me to himself. Yeah. Because uh, that was the beginning of when, like, I started going to church, started reading my Bible, started, like, um, trying to understand what life would be like as a follower of Jesus, but I didn't really commit to following Jesus until later. And then uh, got to high school, played at a really good high school for football in Tampa that went to, like— the state championship game every year that had like a lot of people who went division one and with football and college and stuff like that. And, and like early on as a freshman, the coach like groomed me to be this athlete that would one day get a scholarship. And my mom was stoked about that because I'll be the first one in the family to not only graduate from high school, but to go to college and before it scholarship. And, nice. uh, and I was excited about it. Yeah. And I played, I played football and I, and, and like by God's like grace, I was good at it. And like, I, I got a lot of attention. I was ranked nationally. I got to play in some big games. I got to play against Tim Tebow at a camp. Like I did all these really cool things, um, uh, because of football and I got a bunch of scholarships. Um, but around that time when I was 17, I was at a, a, a missions trip in the Bahamas where there's these like people who were dying of AIDS and, um, and they were like sectioned off in this Island in the Bahamas. And, uh, and while I was there, I uh, I was remember just painting this like shack and seeing these people who were just like withering away. And there was this lady there who was like just full of joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, how how is she happy? She could literally die tonight because of this disease. Yeah. She said, she said uh, Philippians four thirteen. And now, mm-hmm. as an athlete, I've heard that verse a thousand times, yeah. but always in the wrong context. Right. Um, and this lady said, like, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm healthy or sick. If I have a mansion or I have a shack, whether I feel sick or feel good, like it's irrelevant. My my joy is based on who Christ is and not my circumstances. And mm-hmm. I said, I want that. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like like it's kind of funny. Like like five years later, I'm saying I want whatever this is. You know, uh-huh. I want to be a part of that. And and I felt like that's when the Lord kind of like the Holy Spirit just kind of brought together everything I've been learning since sixth grade to that point and like. It clicked like, oh, the reason why she has this contentment is because her hope and her faith is in Jesus and not in her circumstances. And the only way you could be satisfied and happy in the worst possible situation is because your hope is in the finished work of Jesus. And like that was the week I gave my life to Christ when I was 17. Awesome. Um, so so soon after that, I, I don't know if this – I've asked people about this and a lot of people have told me they haven't done this. Maybe it was like a weird Tampa, Florida thing but like <laughs> – when I was in, when I was entering my senior year, we took this exam. It was a bunch of questions, kind of like a personality test type of thing, and it asked you a bunch of questions to try to help you figure out what kind of career you should kind of focus on when you get to college. Okay. And uh, and like everyone who have ever heard take that test always said like it was wrong. Right? It told me to be like a, <laughs> like like an electrician or something. And like we need electricians in the world, but that's not what I wanted to do. And yeah. Like, Everyone I've told it told me that that it was wrong, but but I remember that got me thinking like, what do I want to do? Like for the longest time, I thought football was going to be my thing, 
And that was all, like, you know, I might not go to the NFL, but I might play Canadian League or something. And mm-hmm. I don't know, figure that out. But all I could consider doing was being what the men in my life were for me, even the years of my rebellion and even after I came to Christ, to be the men be the man that the men in my life were. And that was my mm. youth pastor and my small group leader. And so I was determined, like, I just want to be whatever that is. And so I figured that was youth ministry. And so um, I graduated high school. I actually spent a year in South Carolina uh, playing. I, had, I, I took a scholarship to play football at a, at a college in uh, South Carolina. Um, and then I broke my knee in South Carolina. Ooh. And I took, I took that as a sign from the Lord as, like, football is something I'm chasing after, but it's not what I should be doing. Hmm. And so I left South Carolina, went back home and went to this very, 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 very small Bible college called Trinity college of Florida. And now if anyone's listening and knows this, <laughs> what the school is, you deserve a prize because this is literally a school that has maybe 200 students total. Wow, it's okay. like, it's very small. It's in the middle of Florida. It's not connected to the Trinity in Chicago or anything, Okay, but it's uh it's uh it's claimed to fame as this. There's three famous people who graduated from Trinity. Okay. Number one is Billy Graham from the 1930s. Oh. He graduated from there. Number two is Reach Records artist KB, the rapper KB from like with yeah. Lecrae. Yeah. He graduated from there. And the third famous person is me. That's the three <laughs> most famous people who ever graduated from the school. So if I'm the third most famous person, there's not a lot to call it for. But um, but that's where I learned. Hey, you're in to, good company, though. <laughs> I am. Billy Graham and KB. They're yeah. good guys. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I went to Bible college there learned how to preach the Bible, learned what it, like what kind of a little bit of what more of youth ministry was, but mainly learned what it meant to be a pastor and how mm-hmm. to shepherd people type of thing. Uh, graduated from there, went to end up actually being the youth pastor of the church I grew up in, which is something I don't recommend <laughs> to people to do is to be the pastor of a church that they remembered before you were Christian. Cause that is a really tough place to be. Yeah. Um, and then, but it was, it was a good few years there. And then in that, oh, I fast forward, I got married, um, my last year of college to my wife, Corey. Um, I met her while I was in Baba college and we got married. And then, uh, we, uh, we moved from there to Arkansas, central okay. Arkansas. And, uh, we're there for a little over two years, I think. Two three years, and then uh, and then now I'm up here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at Epicos Church, which is the most interesting thing ever. Because if you were to tell me five years <laughs> ago, I would be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I would say I don't know where Milwaukee is. <laughs> I don't know what it's. No, I mean I don't know anything about Happy Days. I don't know anything about what Cheese Curd is. <laughs> I, you know, I I just found out the Milwaukee Brewers. The brewer is someone who brews beer. And I thought as a Christian, I'm not going to enter this heathen area. <laughs> but uh, but here I am. I'm here. So. That's but yeah, great. It's, it's a fun journey. God has a sense of humor for sure because you got a Cuban guy from the hood from Florida to central mm-hmm. Arkansas, and now I'm up in Milwaukee. It's awesome. Wow, that that's incredible. I love that. One of the, the coolest things I, I enjoy about doing this podcast is hearing those stories and just hearing how God takes, you know, random things and just puts them together. And uh, and then, you know, hearing you like in retrospect, seeing how God wove things together, but maybe at the time just like was yeah, I'm sure things came out of left field sometimes. You're like, really? Sure. Wow. <laughs> but uh, but now looking back, you can see God's hands all over it. That's really awesome. Yeah. So so what's your ministry there in, in Milwaukee look like? Uh, tell us a little bit about you know, how things are structured a little bit and, and yeah. how you do student ministry there. Yeah. So um, I would say 
nothing prepared me for what I'm doing now. Hmm. So for the for the for the first, so like I did like an internship at a church in Bible College, and then. I started working at the church I grew up in, and then I went to the church in Arkansas. And all three of those contexts were like the traditional suburban church, you know, with majority white kids and like, you know, actually, I mean, the youth budgets were terrible, but like, but like, it was a, it was a, it was a suburban church, so like, Christianity is very well accepted. You can like preach Leviticus verse by verse, and kids will have your attention, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's that kind of stuff. But like coming up here, first off, I'm in the inner city. So like, like all three of our campuses are in the city. They're not in the suburbs. Okay. That that's unique in itself. Oh, so so let me first off say, Epicos is a multi-site church. Okay. And so that's already like one percent of all the churches in the country, which is already yeah. multi-site student ministry is really weird and new yeah. and stuff. And so so I entered that, and then I also entered a multi-site church that's not in the suburbs. It's in the city in three very unique contexts. One campus is in a, in a college area. One campus is in a um, an urban family area that's like middle to lower class. And then there's one context, one the last campus, the one we just planted, is in a predominantly African-American community that's actually like, I would say it's like 90% African-American, kind of below the poverty line, middle, middle class to below the poverty line, and there's some pretty bad crime up there. And oh, we, wow. just, we just planted there. And in fact, like, you know, with all the police shootings that's happened over the past like two years or so, um, there was a police shooting that happened not too long ago where there was a riot not even a couple blocks away from where our church is planted. Oh, wow. And, like, they, they burnt down a gas station. And, like, that day they burnt down the gas station, that following Sunday was our first service. So, like, <laughs> this is, like, the, the the city we're in, right? This is, like, where we are. Wow. And so so I deal with primarily um, urban kids, um, yeah. inner city kids, but we also have a good handle, a good handful of suburban kids. Okay. And, uh, and I would say Milwaukee is unique where, like, it's predominantly Lutheran and Catholic. And, and because – that's how Milwaukee is. It doesn't mean there's a lot of Lutheran and Catholics in the city. Yeah. I would say a lot. I would say Milwaukee's almost a post-Christian city where people are just kind of apathetic or indifferent about church. Yep. And so because of that, there's no culture for youth ministry. So like, where in the South, Wednesday nights are sacred, right? And yeah. like, or like, you know, Sundays are for church. Like, there's baseball games that are scheduled for Sunday morning here yep. for little league. There's like Wednesday nights are for sports and school. And so kids don't know what to do with youth ministry. And so I would say the biggest challenges I've I've been facing so far is one, doing urban ministry is completely different than suburban ministry. Mm-hmm. And then also creating a culture where kids want to go to youth group when they don't know what to do with youth group. And that's mm-hmm. something that I've been like like trying to learn. And so when I first got here, we had this very disjointed youth ministry where the middle schoolers met during service on Sunday and the high schoolers met on Wednesday night. We canceled both of those programs and moved it to Sunday night. We, um, when I first got here, there was about 13 kids. Now we're pushing like somewhere. So it's weird. Like we probably push consistently somewhere between 60 to 80 kids. Okay. But like, but like on our roster, in a given month, we'll probably have every month about 120 kids. And so – and that's the issue with like the consistency is there's no culture of consistency. Yeah. And so like you'll have like, – we have legitimately like 120, 130 kids that we know that are a part of our youth group, but none of them come at the same time. Like we might see them at camp. We might see them at like a big event at one time but not throughout the week. And so it's a unique culture. And then on top of that, man, I've never seen such brokenness. I mean the level of like – 
broken homes, uh, abusive homes. I've had, I've had more conversations with students who've been raped than I've ever wanted to. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, conversations with like mental health is something I've been just researching yeah. over, over again because I've like. Like I've just never been in a culture where like everyone has anxiety, everyone mm-hmm. has like a, almost a form of PTSD. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's fascinating and and like like we make fun of fidget spinners, you know, <laughs> in most places. <laughs> My kids need fidget spinners. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like a literal thing they need to get through stuff. And and so. It's it's a unique place, man. But I love these kids. Uh, like another thing is, I love my volunteers. Like I've been focusing on raising up good volunteers, so that yeah. way they can help me with these kids because it's just a unique, unique context. Wow. Yeah. That's that's incredible. So how have you really developed that kind of culture? And and I know you're still in the middle of it, but how have you have you seen it going well to develop a, a ministry or a, or a culture of youth group when when a lot of them aren't used to it and don't even know what that is? Right. And so so my, I always ask myself, and this is a question that like I always tell youth pastors when they're like, you know, how do you you know how do you build your youth group, or whatever? Is you always ask yourself this question: It's like, what do you all have to offer that no one else has? And like, what what I believe youth ministry has to offer that no one else has is a healthy community that wants what's best for the students. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like students can get community in sports and in school, but ultimately. What what where is there a community that wants what's best for the student in the sense of like what's best for their soul? Only youth ministry has that. We can manufacture fun. Fun is very inexpensive. You can you can download fun for three dollars on a website. You can hmm. you can buy some ice cream and pizza. You can make fun. That's really easy to make. But to create a community where kids feel safe and valued and loved and welcome, that's very difficult to find. And so creating a space for that is something that we've been focusing on. And so one thing that we've been doing, and so far it's it's worked because we haven't grown too big where we have to push this offsite. But at the end of every of our services, we leave 50 minutes for a small group. So in our youth night, we have our message, like our worship, our message, our game, and then we have small group the same night. And so we say like Sunday night is where everything happens. And Sunday night is where not only where we have the fun, you hear the message, but this is where you build community. It's in Sunday night where you come here. And so students come to youth group on Sunday night to connect with other students, but also to connect with an adult leader. Kind of mm-hmm. like that orange thing, to yeah. connect with another adult that isn't their family that wants what's best for them. And yeah. so so we push our volunteers for the small groups and we push our kids to see that. And that has kind of like what's grown. It's like, oh, I have to come on Sunday night because that's where my community, that's where my small group is, and kind of creating that. Eventually, we won't we won't have enough space in our building to be able to keep doing small groups in, that, yep. in our space. And so then we'll have to figure out how to do off-site or midweek small groups. And hopefully I won't have to think about that for a while. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I got two questions then. Um, as far as middle school and high school go, are they, are they two together? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was something we, like, we played with. And like that's something yeah. like I, like – I, you know, when I first got hired here, they said, like, it's a blank slate. Like, there was no student ministry before we got here. Okay. There was just kind of, like, volunteers leading Bible studies. So, like, there were no golden calves. And I was like, sweet. Yeah. Let's let's do whatever we want. And so I came up with a name and all that stuff. And so middle school and high school were separated at first. And then I was like, let's just see what happens if we keep them together. And as we were doing that at the beginning, I was like, man, I really want to separate it. Because you've always heard that, like, if you separate middle school and high school, it will, by its nature, grow. Because middle schoolers will feel safe with middle schoolers and high schoolers will feel safe with high schoolers and so we tried this weird like almost like a multi 
sight into one church. We're like, we had the game, we had the worship, and then for the message, the high schoolers went to our coffee shop, and the middle schoolers stayed in the youth room. Okay. And so I so I would preach to the middle schoolers, and then when I was done, I would run down to the coffee shop <laughs> and preach to the high schoolers while the middle schoolers were doing small group. And after I did, don't preach to the high schoolers, they would do small group. And so basically, I would preach two messages. It would be the same messages, but I preach it twice. Yep. And and what I found doing that, we did that for about. Four months, five months. And what ultimately happened is whoever was that second group, we would flip-flop who would go first sometimes. They would be shortchanged from their small group time. Hmm. And so we were like, this isn't valuable. And so ultimately I asked my small group leaders, like, what do you think? And they all said, it's neither good nor bad. They're kind of indifferent about it. And so if, if they're indifferent about it, then let's just bring them back together. Hmm. And like, if it's not adding, then let's just bring them back together. Yeah. And the day we brought them back together – Everything changed. Our ministry started growing. Our kids didn't care about there were middle schoolers or high schoolers in the room. They just they just rather have one service, and and then have as much small group time as possible. And and I always tell people this is like that's not true for everybody. Like yeah. there's some like 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 that. This is definitely a case by case thing. I think most of the time separating is the right answer. I just felt like in my context it worked putting them together. It might not be true in three years. You know what I'm saying as the culture changes. But like right now. We're keeping them together, and it's working, and so that's so it's a good thing. Cool, cool. Yeah, I know it's something that we separated our ministry three years ago, and yeah. every year I think, should we put them back together or not? And it's a you have to reevaluate along the way. Yeah, because like yeah. even if it works for you one time, yeah, culture changes, and uh, it might you know not work later on down the road. Yeah. So, so in terms of um, your multi-campus, does does each of those uh, different campuses have their own ministries, or do you come together, and how does that all work out? Great. So before I got hired, I was doing so much research about how to do multi-site student ministry. I was, I literally was cold calling the yeah. Village Church, New Spring Church, and like any any church that had multi-site. I was like, how do you do youth ministry? Yeah. And one of the most interesting things, and like if someone on this, like if someone listens to your podcast that does multi-site youth ministry, and I didn't talk to them, like they can please call me because I would love to know what they're doing. But like one thing I realized is like. No one has the answer. Yeah. Right? Like like no one's the guru on multi-site ministry, multi-site youth ministry. Like and I think that's the beauty of it. It's like youth ministry has always been this thing that's like this wild frontier that lets you have the privileges of kind of taking risks and challenges. And uh and what I found is that no one is like killing it. Like people, I mean, like there's churches that are doing a really good job. Like New Spring Church is doing a good job. Um, I think the Village Church in Texas are doing a really good job at how they're doing it. Um, and like I know, like um, Mariners and Saddleback, they pretty much have like autonomous youth groups at each campus, uh-huh. even though they're multi-site or whatever. So when I got here, I was like, all right, multi-site youth ministry. What does this look like? And what I found out is. All the teenagers in our entire church out of all three campuses, almost like 98% of them all go to one campus because by the nature of the campuses, the ones with the actual families all go to one campus. Okay. The, 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 one, that, the, the one that's around the college community is normally reaching 20-somethings and empty nesters. Gotcha. So there are no college kids. There are no like teenagers there. There's three teenagers there, and two of them belong to the pastor. <laughs> so they end up carpooling to my campus every Sunday night. And, uh, and all campuses are about 20 minutes from each other. Okay. And, then the, and the new campus just got planted about six to – oh, it's actually going on a year now. It's almost a year now. Um, and and uh, one thing I'm just learning is like the African-American context doesn't really have 
a robust history in student ministry. And so, like, there's not a lot of black churches you can think of that have, like, really robust youth ministries. Yeah. And, and like, the, the so it was like, I met with a couple youth pastors in, like, African-American context here in Milwaukee to ask them how they did student ministry. And it was fascinating because a lot of them were doing more of, like, a school type of setting, like, almost like a, a confirmation type of thing. Okay. As opposed to, like, a youth group thing. And so one thing I've, I found is, like, now there's this whole other context that have no context for what student ministry is, and I have to kind of show them why they want to be there, you know? And so I'm slowly um, getting rooted into those neighborhoods up there in that third campus to try to invite them to my to my campus because because youth ministry isn't a thing. It's not like there's no there's no place for that. They know what church is, and that's a place where you put your suit and tie on and you go with grandma, but they don't know that there's like a place for just people your age to hang out and hear God's word. And so so we have like one kid from that church there. But literally so like all other kids are at the campus that I'm at, which is the West Campus that has like the families and stuff like that. Okay. So one day down the line, as we grow, there might be more kids, and like then I have to figure out what does that look like. Does it look like two autonomous youth groups? Does it look like small groups throughout the month, and then one month, of, you know, yeah. one week month we all meet? I have to figure that out. But right now, it's a whole work, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. Well, it's a lot about knowing your knowing your culture for sure. You got to yeah. be definitely a student of your culture, and and that's always changing as well. So I'm sure it keeps you keeps you on your toes all the time. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks so much for, for sharing all that and everything. Um, the last question I have for you is uh, maybe like a couple tips that you've learned along the way that maybe even if you could go back in time, if that was possible, and you say, uh, you know, to Frank of five or 10 years ago, you know, okay, this is what I've learned and this is what would make your ministry better um, back then. So that someone's listening to this podcast and, you know, something that God has, you know, a couple of tips that God has put on your heart that you'd like to share with, with other youth workers out there. Sure. So, like, I think that's, that's the way you put it is a good way. Like, what would I tell Frank 10 years ago? And this is so, so I'm very critical of 10, 10 years ago, Frank. I show way more grace <laughs> to new youth pastors now. But, like, when it comes to like Frank from 10 years ago, I would beat him up because he was just, <laughs> he was very arrogant and pompous and thought he knew everything. And, was, you know, like, and I'll be very candid. Like, he's, he's a great example because I know we met at uh, DYM 100, right? Yep. So, so here's an example. When I first started youth ministry, I totally hated Doug Fields. I thought he was like the problem of youth ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's holding us back. I love that guy. He's like, yeah. I, like I, I talked to him on the phone. He's like one of the greatest dudes ever. And it was, it was just my arrogance, man. And so I would say this to Frank of 10 years ago. I would say the first thing is um, trust volunteers. Like work yourself mm-hmm. out of a job. Like it's okay if you give volunteers time to preach and time to um, – to do things that you like let control give to other people and then give space for people to fail. Like failure teaches you something. And so like, you know, whenever, like, I think the one thing I hold on to that I'm kind of like scared of is like the preaching aspect, right? Cause it's like, you want to protect your kids from bad yeah. teaching and stuff like that. But you can protect your kids from like heresy, but you don't need to protect your kids from like bad <laughs> teaching, you know, like, like someone yeah. who like stutters or something or someone who like doesn't, you know, have like a messy sermon. So like there's been times in this youth group where like I've let people teach who I wouldn't say are like the most proficient teachers. But even though it's like one night where the kids are like, I really don't know what the main point was. This was a teaching experience for that volunteer in the sense of youth ministry is more than just your students, but also your volunteers and your parents and just everybody involved. And so you're shepherding 
everybody, not just the kids. And I think giving space for volunteers to grow and develop and kind of do jobs for you, that's something that I've been having to learn because I didn't really do that well when I first started. And then the second thing is this, and this is, like I said, this is just 10, year, 10 years ago, Frank. This is super arrogant, you know, cage stage Calvinist Frank who is like <laughs> beating everybody up with the commentary of romance Frank. Like this is the, that guy. I would say, Frank, fun is okay. Like fun Hmm. can be like, like let's have fun like like i remember i literally i sometimes i look at my dropbox folder and look at old sermons from like when i first started and i'm like who am i preaching to <laughs> seminary students what, what why is my sermon an hour and a half long on two verses like what was i doing i'm like no we're not gonna play games games are for people who are watering down the gospel we're gonna and i was like i look back and i'm like what was i doing so so man like Maybe there's someone here who's like, maybe like, you know, love God's word, love like, you know, the, the, I mean, I, I know the people I was listening to back then is like the Mark Driscoll's, the John Piper's, yep. the Matt Chandler's, people who were like, we hold the word or whatever, right? Like, they have fun. So, like, yeah. like let's have fun. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like, and so I think like gradually evolving from this like weird, like professor in youth ministry to like, hey, we're going to be really silly and we're going to say jokes in my message. And, and, and one thing I've always said is like laughter is the currency for students. And so like when mm. you can get kids to laugh and smile in your service, you're open, you're, you're, you're making their heart tender for God's word to come into it. I've had to say really hard messages about stuff that like is probably very offensive to students. But the only reason why it was able to land besides the work of the Holy spirit working in their life is because they've built a rapport with me where they feel safe because mm. they laugh and smile and feel comfortable around me. And so, man, if I knew that 10 years ago, I, I, I mean, there's kids who walked away from my ministry because they thought it was too hard. Hmm. And probably I was too hard because I was like preaching with an iron fist at 12 year olds, you yeah. know? And, uh, and now I'm like, Hey dude, let's, 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 let's make fun of fidget spinners and man butts for five minutes. <laughs> and then let me tell you about, um, modesty or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. like, like we yeah. can talk about serious stuff. Yeah. So have fun. And and get yourself out of a job. Yeah, awesome. that's what I would awesome. say. Awesome, uh, great tips. Of course, like that's 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 something I've, I've really learned over the years too. You mentioned, you know, having different people speak and everything. That's been it's been huge in my own ministry. Just be able to give them opportunities, and, and I've even heard from my volunteers that they they've said um, and. <laughs> I, I don't think they mean it in critique of their adult ministry at all, but they said they've grown more being a part of our student ministry than they ever did being involved in the adult ministries in the church. And, That's the goal. That's yeah. the goal, man. Yeah. Like, like my, my, my desire for every volunteer is for them to be like sanctified through mm-hmm. their serving. Yeah. And I mean, like, and like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they can't be just warm bodies in the room. They have to have meaningful work. That's good. Definitely. Yeah, and and obviously, fun is cool, especially when you're when you're trying to create this healthy community where where students feel safe and they feel valued, they feel welcome. If you can create a fun atmosphere that they'd love to be a part of it, that's that's huge. Um, so. Awesome, awesome tips there, Frank. I know people are going to want to connect with you and want to, you know, dive deeper into this stuff and and maybe read what you're you're putting out there. And and I know you got your own podcast as well. So take a take a couple moments just to kind of plug your your own work and where pe- can people find you online? Yeah. So uh, I have a website called frankgill.me, frankgill, G-I-L, one L, um, frankgill.me, and there you'll have a little bit of information on me. Um, I have a podcast called 15 Minutes with Frank where I talk about student ministry. for fit. Basically, I just talk about what I do the, in my youth group the night before, and uh, and so it's 
around 15 minutes, sometimes a little bit more. Um, and you can find all that on my website. Also, all my social media stuff, my handles for all that stuff is pastor underscore tank, like an army tank. Because in high school when I played football, my nickname was Frank the Tank because of that movie Old School with Will, yeah. Will Ferrell. And then I became a, a, a Christian, and they were like, well, we can't call you Frank the Tank anymore. So they started calling me Pastor Tank. And that's why all my social networks is Pastor underscore Tank. So, awesome. so yeah, find me online. Love to connect and uh, go to my website. It's cool. Awesome. Awesome. So thanks you so much. Thank you so much for, for joining us today, Frank, and may God bless your ministry. Appreciate it, Steve. It was great. I hope you enjoyed that conversation just as much as I did having it. And uh, as you know, as you just heard, Frank's got such an awesome story, and it was so cool to hear that and just dive in a little deeper in what God has been doing in his life, especially in that area, just really reaching out to the urban uh, students and a multi-campus student ministry. I know that's such a new concept for a lot of churches. We're still trying to figure out what that looks like and everything. So I, I know I'm trying to learn a little more about that because uh, my ministry situation is going to be changing very, very soon. I'm actually going to be moving on to another church, and it will be uh, an aspect of, of my ministry will be multi-campus. And so it's something I'm trying to learn a lot about as well. And so I'll, I'll tell you a little more. Um, you can read my blog, stevecullum.com, and learn a little more about what God has been doing in my life and, and where I'm actually going in the very near future. I, I, won't, I won't dive into it in this podcast that much because I want the focus to be on what Frank was sharing and uh, I want you to learn as much as you can on, uh, from him. So make sure you do connect with him. Uh, go to his website, check with him on, on social media. Uh, make sure that you check out his podcast, 15 Minutes with Frank, and uh, just learn as much as you can from Frank Gill. We are so grateful that he joined us on today's podcast. And we're also grateful for our sponsors, WorkCamp NE. You can check out their website at W-O-R-K-C-A-M-P-N-E.com. You can also check out the National Network of Youth Ministries website at youthworkers.net. And you can check out Reach Youth New England at reachyouthne.com. All of them amazing sponsors. They're generous with their donations, and it makes this podcast possible with their generous donations. So make sure you show them love because they've shown us some love. Also, you can share the love right here at the Student Ministry Podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, make sure you check out the uh, the comment section of podcatchers, especially iTunes and things like that, Google Play, and because you can leave a comment, and I love positive comments on there. I, I appreciate all comments, but I especially love those positive comments. So make sure you leave a positive comment so that it helps just it it helps us rise up in the whole idea of podcast and people can find us easier and everything. And at the same time, make sure you share it. If you have some other youth workers that you know, maybe you've connected with them through the national network or something, and, and you have other youth workers that are like, they have to hear this awesome story from Frank. They have to hear these tips about how to do multi-campus uh, urban ministry. Uh, make sure you share it with them and and get the word out there about these great stories because honestly it's not about me it's not about this podcast it's about these awesome youth workers stories and I want them to be heard because I've been blessed with them I'm sure you've been blessed by them as well and so make sure you you help us to get the word out there about these great stories what God's doing through these people in their ministries and uh, thank you so much for tuning in once again and may God bless your ministry you